Welcome back to the TV Podcast. I'm David J. Lore, and I'm here with Jessica Epstein to talk about The Alienist, Episode 4, These Bloody Thoughts. Welcome back, Jess. Good to be back. It's getting deeper and deeper, darker and darker. And better and better so far. I think it's improving. Mostly. Mostly. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's some clumsy moments in this one, but we'll get to that. Sure. Um, but let's start with that title. Where does the title come from? The title is on the dedication page of Caleb Carr's book. Uh, right above it is a quote from William James. Whilst part of what we perceive comes through our senses from the object before us, another part, and it may be the larger part, always comes out of our own mind. Right below that, these bloody thoughts, from what are they born? Piave from Verdi's Macbeth. So uh, the writers are definitely hearkening back to that very essence of Carr's book. Where do these violence tendencies come from? What is their source? That's Chrysler's obsession. This week we see him visiting old patients, uh, truly becoming frustrated, even um, pushing people away a bit, struggling with some of his own emotions, but we really see this desire to find the motivation of this killer. Desperate, desperate to find out where this coming, what is, what is the source of this uh, perversion and murder. Right. I mean, those are very clearly important quotes to the book and to the story in general. And they fit a lot of the little incidents we see in this episode. Uh, for instance, we start off with Sarah trying to find Chrysler to give him some information, and he's in the park. No, before oh, 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 that, oh, let's that's go right. back. That's right. Sorry. Let's start by talking about Chrysler's beard. It's fantastic. <laughs> I think he has he has really got me into guys with beards. I can't mm. even swipe right on a guy without a beard. I'm obsessed <laughs> with with guys with beards i'm sorry and it's all chrysler's fault I mean, and I, we can delve into that it makes sense to at me a later time as a guy with a beard but you know so chrysler's standing at the door he looks nervous mm-hmm. who's inside it's an old patient of his who evidently at one point had been torturing helpless creatures she was able to subsume her sadistic tendencies and now for money um is a, you know... Um, well, a, a dominatrix. Dominatrix, a sadist. Um, more than dominatrix, though, because she's truly, you know, enjoying it True. on a lot of levels. True. I would... There's some sadism there. And she is a madam who has, you know, sublimated killing animals and torturing animals into creating pain for men that they enjoy that they yearn for you know it is a very tense and sexually charged conversation you could see she is not at all threatened by chrysler she's not uh he says i i'm here today as your pupil which is already an interesting power shift and dynamic right from him to kind of give up his power as the intellect in the room um and she says i didn't know you had the imagination (laughs) yeah you know of him to try to find out what what this uh sexual predilections of these these men are 
Uh, she talks about butterflies briefly, that beneath their wings are these painful uh, objects during sex. Um, and that the pain pleasure um, is what, what am well, I trying the, to say? The, the balance. Pain, the... the balance between pain and pleasure is, you know, very uh, fascinating and interesting. The mind is the most erotic organ. So she says men who are dominated in their daily life, you know, um, want to be in control. And the men who are control in control during their daily life want to be dominated. Right. And, and, you know, she points out that, uh, the, the man of intellect wants to be with someone who doesn't care about intellect. Right. Right. It's everything, everything in the scene is about opposites mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a fascinating scene. And I kind of wish the psychology and the writing were up to the scene it's very Mm -hmm. simplistic yeah Um, it's sort of like oh we can just take any opposites and make them a thing okay that's that's all we need to know yeah the you know we all have wounds of our own but it's interesting she asks him what turned you on the most basically of my stories right and that was a fascinating the character work said he felt the men's vulnerabilities were most interesting right I don't know what that means. I'm sure we'll find out. The the men's vulnerabilities, the men wanting to be beaten. Well, it's whipped and so at least in in terms of himself, make themselves vulnerable in terms of himself. He's, he's kind of isolated himself as this genius and he, he doesn't allow himself to be vulnerable, even though he has obvious Mm. vulnerabilities. Well, the pay- the payoff of this is that the cripple in this man is looking for the cripple in the boys. Yes. Or to to cripple the boys. Yes. He's trying to recreate needs- and eroticize whatever happened to him as a child. Yeah. So, so. So we get. So then we get some nice carriage porn. I'm really into the carriages. <laughs> they they've gotten some really good vehicles in this. I'm impressed. And we go to Roosevelt. Roosevelt right, is next. Right. And he's um, he's getting a little more Roosevelty. A little mm-hmm. bit. What's interesting is that Moore's stupid sketchbook, which doesn't even belong in this series, <laughs> is has been recovered, but we know who had it was the murderer. Right. So somehow the murderer got it back to Connor, who got it back to Roosevelt. And it's it's meant to look suspicious. It's meant to be like, you know, gee, what's this doing here? Mm-hmm. It's almost a false false flag kind of an operation. We should look into this guy. Right. Why is he drawing pictures of all these things? And he knows that he's close to Roosevelt. So, you know, we have our eyes on your people. We could we could pin it on him. Be careful. Right. And he's already been compromised at the hall in an earlier episode. We don't know how much he's been compromised. So I'm sure that's going to come back. Interesting. It very well could. Now, quick scene with the Isaacsons finding the pitons and the grappling and finally figuring out that this man climbs up, you know, sheer walls and bricks, uh, brick buildings, goes into chimneys and and this is how he's getting about with ropes and pitons. Right. So he's not supernatural, he's not magic. 
he's just a good climber. Good climber, but he, he, you know, the fact that they are looking at someone who operates from above leads to some wonderful above shots. The whole episode oh, yes. has a lot of great shots from above. You feel like he's watching. Yes. He's, he's seeing the lay of the landscape. He's watching them. And then by the end of the episode, he's literally know, he's, watching them. He's watching them yeah. every step that they take. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. So let's go to Mary. Well, when, when, where is the park? The park is earlier. The park on, is coming. Okay. Okay. The park is coming. Um, she goes, um, remember she goes, um, Sarah goes to his house. Oh, oh, oh that's right. That's right. Okay, and Mary is there. Mary doesn't open the door. Right. Because she does not like Sarah. She does not like Sarah. There is a lot of antipathy there. That relationship has to be unpacked. She is clearly jealous of, of Sarah. And this is... Sarah's closeness to Kreitzler. Well, her closest Sarah to Kreitzler and her, her, um, her uh, independence, right? And her voice. She's, she's very much... Uh, uh, a liberated woman for the time. And Mary is very much not. And mute. And mute. So Mary, you know, it was just this little, just this small little few seconds of power scene. You know, I'm not, uh, she, she puts her foot down where she can. I'm not opening the door for you. Right. Right. I'm not that servant for you. This is my man. (laughs) And we'll we'll see that later. So she goes. It's the beard. Yeah, it's the beard. <laughs> and then she goes and has this very intense meeting at the park. Yes, this is where we get Sunday in the park with Laszlo. <laughs> um, and she's she gives him this information, and meanwhile he's looking at a woman across the way with a baby carriage or a perambulator. I, I'm very happy to say we had tons of those in the doll museum. I'm looking at it going, oh my God, I know exactly what that's like. Um, I saw a lot of things in this episode from my childhood, which is a little scary. Mm. Um, grow up in a museum, you see these things. And um, and he points out that woman. And, he, and he's kind of probing Sarah to say, you know, uh, can you find sympathy with a killer? Can you find sympathy with someone who would kill a child even? And he points out that woman and says, well, what about her? And, and Sarah is like, what are you talking about? And he explains that this is a woman who killed her, her baby. And two babies, two babies, two babies, two babies in the bathtub. But because of her status and, and privilege of her family, uh, she's been protected. She's been, she hasn't been prosecuted. She's, she's free to wander the park with an empty perambulator. And mm-hmm. act as if there's a baby in it. And as she's listening to the story, she's getting more and more horrified. Mm-hmm. And and still, I have nothing in common with this woman. And he says, yes, but society made her. Society forced her to take these roles, to be a mother whether she wanted to be or not. To smile mm-hmm. when you don't want to smile. That is a big part of the Me Too movement. Right. This, there is a very virulent um, part of current day feminism, which is not to tell little girls to smile at the store. You know, if a man tells your daughter, oh, why don't you give me a smile, sweetheart? I say she doesn't feel like smiling. Men tell young girls to smile. Right. 
women are taught to smile at men. Right. From from ages of two and three and four. And there's something smile wrong if you don't. Smile at men because they asked you to. Right. And 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 you don't you might not feel like it. And I you know, I don't want my girls I have three girls. Smile for anybody. Right. Smile because they want to. You don't have to smile to. for anybody. That's it. Right. It's so that was a little bit of modernity maybe creeping into yeah. Laszlo there, but Yeah. And that she did not form herself, society formed her, and of course we understand today was probably a postpartum depression. Right. Um, right. that many women are treated for these days, but for, you know, thousands of years, tens of thousands. It wasn't a thing. Was weren't treated. Yeah. And, and many women have killed their children in this postpartum insanity. Yeah. And considering considering the simplicity in the psychology in a lot of this episode. Yeah, this is a, it's a little simple. Well, this this scene is very good up until the point where uh, as she's watching and thinking, you hear the, the children in the park playing and singing a song about putting him in the bathtub and, oh, will he die and all of this stuff. And you see the fountain and you see all these things. Right, and it's, the water. And it's like you, you almost expect uh, all the actors to turn right to the camera and just do jazz hands. Like, get it? Mm-hmm. Get it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it was a little obvious. You had such a good scene going. And then, oh. Yeah, then you just had to ruin it. Oh. Two, two subtleties are not... <laughs> you know, I enjoy the subtle scenes that there are, but yes. there are many that are just whack you over the head. I guess, I guess that's how they're writing it. You know, whack you over the head. Yeah, it's it is a very schizophrenic show that way. So far, mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. But what's good is good. What's good is good. I do enjoy the show. Yes, I do enjoy the interplay of Laszlo and Sarah. Yes, yes. You know, she is. Um, a tough one, and, but she is a little in love with him at the same time. Right, right. But he's probing her. He's pressing her, trying trying you to know. figure out why she is the way she is. Have you had any time to think about our last question? Right. Yeah. He's. I get the impression he is just as fascinated by every person he interacts with as he is the case, as he is the people that he's trying to solve. Um. Yeah, each person is a little case. Right, right. Isn't that good? Good one, David. Thank you. I, I have my moments. Uh, you do. I, I think each person is a little case to solve. And he's, you know, solving especially Moore and Sarah. He wants to crack them. Yes. Yes. They're not so easy to crack because they crack back. There was a great little scene we missed with um, Sarah and Roosevelt where he talks about the boxing match. Oh, right. Right, where he was going to uh, have a boxing match with Chrysler until Chrysler, you know, takes off his shirt to to box and reveals his withered arm. And Roosevelt realizes that he cannot, in good conscience, fight this man because, you know, he's Teddy Roosevelt. He's able-bodied and manly man. Oh, that's a little bit later. That's in the next Roosevelt scene oh, where he's getting the okay. guns. He's getting the guns. So we didn't get there yet. Okay. Sorry, I'm jumping. Um, I'm jumping. That's okay. We're jumping a little bit. The <laughs> next scene, back to the Lower East Side. Now we both, as we live watched it, said, two little laundry. <laughs> they showed like one scrawny little, like three t-shirts on a line. Right. When you look at pictures of Lower East Side, it was 
a sea of laundry. Right. It was covered right. in laundry. You couldn't see the street from the window. It was just millions of people with their laundry, their dirty laundry everywhere. I mean, that's there were no dryers. That's one where the Godfather Two has brilliant set design because that's just all you laundry remember. Laundry everywhere, right? Laundry everywhere. Laundry everywhere. And and you so could CGI this. You could easily put, you know, but. tons and tons of laundry on there. So a little bit of a weak spot. <laughs> um, Moore goes back, you know, to the hall. And the, I wrote a note that the music that they used was very well done. He goes into a place that's called the Golden Rule. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, down in, in a basement now. And he's with one of the brothers, the Isaacson yeah. brothers. Mar- Marcus. He's with Marcus. Right. Um. And they're realizing that he's not the, you know, he is a person who's using the heights. They go up to the roof and they find this boy, um, um, Bernadette. Right. They find this boy, Bernadette. And Bernadette says, you know, he's a saint. I know he's real. He said he's going to take her up to a castle in the sky. Hmm. You know? And it's so tragic to see these children. They, they have dreams to escape their horrible lives. And this man lies to them and makes promises to them. Um, but he's not the devil. Marcus says he's God. Right. He rules, from, he rules from on high. One of the best little scenes of the week was Moore wiping away the makeup of this um, of Bernadette. Yeah. And you really saw a little bit of humanity a little bit of softness and say if this man with a silver smile ever comes to you do not go with him you know really cares about these kids yeah you know uh on a deep level and um so that's a nice contrast to the playboy that we see sometimes that he 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 does have a caring heart he does want to to save these kids and i that was a good scene. I think for me, that was one of the better scenes. Oh, that was absolutely. Um, I also find it interesting that these boys have names like Bernadette and Fatima, mm. and mm-hmm. there's a little bit of uh, Catholic Christian imagery going on there uh, mm. with miracles, mm. right? Oh, interesting. Each of each of them in in, and they call him a saint. Yeah. So we'll see if that comes back, or if that's just a little a little subtext for for the people who like subtext. Um, the next scene, you found out who the mother was. I didn't know. It's Sean <laughs> Young. Isn't that amazing? It's the actress Sean Young. She, she was beautiful, but aged. Yes. Yes. Beautiful, but aged and a heavy set face, which is, um, you know, not super attractive. She's only got to be... How old is she? Sixties. Yeah, let's see. I mean, she was she 50s? she no, she's got to be she hit in the early eighties. I mean, she was in Blade Runner. She was probably in her twenties. So you know, probably she around could sixty. Sixties. So, yeah. but I think maybe the collar makes her face yes. look fat. Yes, I, I think it that's intentionally that designed that shape. Um, but she's quite chilling. Yes, she's the mother of the person we suspect might be the murderer mm-hmm. Willem the murderer and someone comes and he says you know there's a quick little meeting between Connors and the former commissioner who says the only thing I hate more than a sodomite is a rich sodomite 
And if she's not going to do something about it, you, we're going to have to do it. So now you see inside the police force, there's been a change. Yes. They are not going to cover up for him anymore. They want to get the situation under control, too. So you've got Chrysler and the Scooby team working on one side. It does seem now that the police are also working to uh, constrain and contain this evil. They know exactly who it is. They know exactly who the mother is. And if she's not willing to do something, then they're going to do it. It's not a request. Right. Right. It's interesting to have the two forces that you think are opposed are actually working together. Their request may be to send him to a sanitarium, to send him to Europe. I mean, just get him out of New York. Right. Right. And she clearly won't so far. Um, so he's still out on the loose. Mm-hmm. He said arrangements will be made. Arrangements will be made. Now, that that doesn't mean criminal arrangements. Right. I, I do think it means getting him out of the city in some way. Right. Let him go kill people in Europe, <laughs> you know. Um, but he's being traced here by outside forces, which is Chrysler. And then we f- see the murderer facing a mirror, mm-hmm. putting on an ointment on these absolutely disgusting-looking arms. <laughs> Yes. Putting on these gloves, it reminded me very much Silence of the Lambs. Right. The darkness, the mirror, the preening, the, the pulling up of these gloves and the darkness and the candle. And, you know, there's a there's a, a young boy girl there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which location it is because he says, I want to take you out. And she's like, we're not supposed to go anywhere. Right. And there's literally some pearl clutching. Yes, that. I thought that was a nice touch. A little bit of actual fake pearl clutching, but <laughs> I would be clutching my pearls too. I'd be, you yeah. know, the, the child doesn't want to go with him. Right. And the and we know doesn't. that uh, he only does these things in other locations. He has to take so them somewhere. To, so I'm assuming that was some kind of whorehouse. And now he wants to take her out. And she's like, well, we're not supposed to go. And he goes, there's a lot of things we're not supposed to do. Which is a great line. Ooh, I got the chills on that. Ooh, I got got the goosebumps (laughs) on that one. I got the goosebumps. I'm not going to lie. I got them even the second time. Right. And that's that's a great end of an act to leave on. Mm. Because right then, it's just a lot of things we're not supposed to do. Commercial. And you're like, what? No. No, please don't hurt this kid. Just startled a cat. What do you know? Back on the case with Chrysler, he goes to Bellevue, and he goes to another one of his former patients. This boy was a dog murderer. Mm -hmm. Would murder and abuse and maybe mutilate people's dogs. Also wealthy. And, you know, he wants to know the same thing he was talking about with Cyrus. How does it feel? He wants to get inside the head of of the murderer of the of the what is driving the pain and pleasure. Uh, he's going back to his old patients. And in a way, I found Kreitzler very creepy in this scene. Yes. Because he's almost too fascinated by it. Uh, there, yeah. Right? He's almost going over an edge of obsession. Right. Wanting to know how does it feel to kill somebody? How does it feel to mutilate an animal? Wants to get his head around it. And again, that brings us to the title. These bloody you know, of thoughts. The episode, These bloody thoughts. Chrysler is getting obsessed with them. Not in, and not in such an intellectual way, in a visceral way. Right. 
and he gets the guy to finally admit they're dogs, they're stupid dogs, they can get another one, you know, and, and gets the outburst right. out of out of this this murderer, who's probably pretty privileged, uh, was able to get away with it, but he's still in the hospital. So Chrysler gets one step closer to that. Now we go back to Chrysler's Creepy Institute, also a little creepy, <laughs> the kids in the matching drab clothes. The wall, the kid, the kid kicking the the wall over and over. Ezra kicking the wall, and and because the mother didn't come. And Chrysler's idea is, well, let's let's kick a ball. Let's let's imagine the ball is someone you would like to kick. Who would you like to kick? My mother. So he does over and over and over, and it gets creepier and creepier. Uh And then Ezra goes goes inside. And Chrysler mm-hmm. looks at the ball and gives it one hell of a kick. And you kind of wonder, mm-hmm. who is he picturing as the ball? Who is he kicking? Exactly. Who's right? he kicking? Which is, it's it's a great moment to just, again, that's one of those moments that's subtle, where it lets you figure out that's what he's doing. It's not just frustration or just kick the ball. It's, there's something going on there. It's Chrysler and the killer. Perhaps. Perhaps. I think it's the killer. More carriage porn, and then we see Mary. (laughs) Mary's home, chopping up vegetables with a vengeance and a big knife. And you know, Mary is a murderer. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So Mary with knives might not be so easy to see. And then um, now we're getting into some kind of love rectangle. We've got Moore asking Mary out for a really fun date. They go see moving pictures. Edison's uh, stereoscope, or is that what they called it? But it was it was Edison's thing, and uh, and again, it's water, right? More water imagery. Mm. That's what he's he's seeing is water rushing at the audience, and the audience going ah because they think it's going to hit them. And it's interesting because I don't think someone of his society class would take out a servant. You would think. You would nope. think. But they have a wonderful time. Right. And you see a lot of smiles from Mary. And now it's Moore and Mary, Moore and Sarah, Chrysler and Mary, and Chrysler and Sarah. This is very fascinating. Right. Right. It's hard to know how it's all going to end. I think it's a really good little in uh, story within a story. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, while uh, they're on their date, Chrysler is looking for Mary because he needs help with his shoes. Yes, right? they come back. And no, 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 no. So he, he goes, goes into her he room. He goes into her room. And again, this is another wonderfully subtle moment. I love this. It's scene. silent. He doesn't we don't Not a, we don't need a word, right? I looked up that book that he finds in her room called A Rose in Bloom by Louisa May Alcott. Oh, yes. In there, there is uh, a woman named Rose who's very indignant to be being married off to a cousin, but there's a maid a maid named Phoebe, okay. a servant who was adopted and wants to prove herself as a singer and not just be accepted into this family on her maid level, right. but she eventually ends up marrying one of the cousins in this big family that she's part of. The previous book was called Eight Cousins, and this kind of traces the cousins and who's marrying who, okay. when people still marry their cousins. <laughs> So she ends up marrying, you know, proving herself and marrying up. Right. I thought that was a little interesting um, Easter egg. Yeah. I love, I love whenever, whenever a movie or something shows you a book it, you know, and makes a point of showing you 
mm-hmm. things like that. I want to try and figure it out. Uh, same mm-hmm. thing. I mean, Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. All the books in there are important to the plot, mm-hmm. and they don't make a big deal of it. They're just there. Let's quickly get to the end yes. and really yes. one of the best scenes. So Moore comes back. He asks for help, buttoning his boots. Chrysler is above. Moore is below in a servile position, yes. which Chrysler very much enjoys. <laughs> and uh, Moore says, I believe you're jealous. Mm-hmm. And the, his response is, oh. button my boots. Well, and part of why... And we start talking about the jealousy that Moore has when his fiancé left. What, what we... And how jealousy is now part of his sexual ritual. Right. Well, what we also saw in Mary's room is Chrysler finds the shirt... She mm. held on to the shirt that was damaged in the previous episode. And now he realizes maybe there is something more to his relationship with Mary. So this is why when Moore is there, he's kind of needling and going, why did you take Mary out? What were you doing? What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of subtly saying, you know, don't, uh, don't hurt her. Don't damage her, you know? which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the shame that he feels with the prostitutes is a familiar feeling. Yes. The sh- is the shame. He's reliving the shame of being jilted. It's why he makes them wear, wear the ring. And he makes them wear uh, a ring. I don't know if it's her. Maybe it's the ring she gave back to right. him. Yeah. Right. And then they start talking about... Um, you know, trying to, he says, we need to see what's behind. If we're just chasing clues, we're not going to catch him. But, but I think Moore has a valid point to say, well, let me go speak to a dentist. Right. And see what makes a silver smile. Right. I mean, why can't you do both? That is a legitimate reason. And he does find a legitimate uh, excuse. So the, so the end is that Moore says to Kreitzler, why do you push away those who care? Yes. And Chrysler is so amazing. I love him so much. He says, the question is, why do you stay? Right. And that is, again, that's a great moment. That's Ooh, a great Chrysler. moment. A great, Come analyze me. Great psychological insight there. Um, like I said, it's just so schizophrenic. It's like, oh, come on, show. Mm-hmm. You have a brain. Stay on that, stay on that side. S- stay on that level. Quickly, just to get through the end, we find out from going to a dentist that the man has syphilis. And and so the um, mercury the treatment. Treat, the mercury treatment has stained his teeth. Yep. That's a smart piece. Thank you, Moore. Yeah. Um, and then we see them all coming together at a table. Oh, we see Santorelli running through the streets with a letter. Right. Right. Crying. The next thing you know, everybody's gathering at this restaurant. It's a kind of a cafe cabaret type place and each one says you told me to come here it's it's really creepy right and well, you you called my grandmother you, like, you sent a telegram no, you, no i didn't and and chrysler's you you can see the gears turning in his mind right they all have great Ooh. faces of what what's yeah, going on it here? was a nice it was a tight scene yep it was just the very tight in on their faces going around the table and then finally sarah comes with the letter and he says so santorelli came to the police office and from the police office you came here he's watching us and and she said because you told me to come here with this 
And he's watching because mm-hmm. he wants to see their reactions to the text of the letter. Yeah. This is a little different from the book. In the book, they get the letter at Union Square right off of, during the day. Right. Right off of um, where a carriage, where, where the um, trolleys are falling off the rails. And as they would come around, people would be thrown violently from the trolleys and bets were made <laughs> on who's going to live and who's going to break their neck. Right. And they keep telling everybody, be quiet, be quiet, because we're reading this letter. But the reading of the letter, as they're all brought together, um, and eventually there's a high shot of the table from above, we find out he's this cannibal mm-hmm. feasting on people's bottoms and eyes. And, it, and having them with very, onions and carrots, which is a disgusting. very specific detail. It is really horrible. So all this time, I've just, this is about as far as I've gotten in the book. So you think you're dealing with a murderer. Okay. A murderer. Yeah. And now you've got this horrible cannibal. I think they are even more horrified by this action. Yeah. And again, uh, this revelation. Again, it's a scene that's really nicely written and really nicely shot. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't draw attention. It doesn't gild the lily uh, like the park scene. Uh, it just lets that sit there and horrify you in its in its banality and its just simplicity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. and that's the end of the episode. And somehow reading about it is better than showing it. Although they showed an eyeball soup, yeah. back in episode one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's better to not show someone noshing on a big piece of flesh, you know, just reading this, this letter. Right. So much more horrifying. Sometimes, I mean, I know show don't tell is a big thing in writing, uh, but sometimes it's okay. Sometimes letting you create the horror mm. or the suspense is even oh, yeah. more terrifying. Uh, oh, you know, was. Alfred Hitchcock knew that. That was one of his big things is I'm going to show you just enough to scare you, but you're going to do all the work, right? right? It's like his his whole thing of a of a bomb under a table, and you have a conversation between two people, and if you just see them talking and the table blows up, you get a surprise. But if you start mm-hmm. looking from under the table and you see the bomb, and then you have the exact same boring conversation, now you are on the edge of your seat for that whole boring conversation because mm. you're doing mm-hmm. the work. You know it's going to be scary. So the final final scene. Mm-hmm. I also, boys running with a few pennies to an ice cream fountain, which is innocent. Right. You know, we're seeing the boys not as boy whores. We're seeing them as boys, boys that want to get an ice cream soda. Yeah, totally I innocent. thought that was a nice touch. Totally innocent. They, they look young. They, they are sweet looking boys. And then in comes this monster. And he smiles. Dressed, and he dresses to the nines. Yes. He's got the bowler hat, the white collar. Looks upper class. And he gives that smile and, and says, what does he say? It's who wants to play or something like that. Oh, gosh, I didn't write it down. I forgot to write it down. Who wants to Who wants to have some fun? Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Which, you know, you're already creeped out. And then there you go. And then fade to black. Yeah. I thought it was a strong episode. A lot of it is about Chrysler. Yeah. Chrysler's search. Yeah. Overall, it was a strong episode with a. Just a couple of clumsy a couple moments. Little clumsy moments. And and 
Um, and, and very simple psychology and then really yeah. smart psychology. So, yeah, I, you know, it's, they, they have to put a lot in each episode because it's a big, it book. is a huge book. I've kind of slowed <laughs> down in my reading. I'm on vacation this week. I want to go to, I think I'm going to have to get out of the house to keep reading right. it because I always find more things to distract me here, but I'm really excited to keep up with the book. Um, because I think it's nice to do a little bit of looking at, at the parallels or, or different directions that they take, um, flesh out the characters. I am enjoying the series. I've told people to watch mm-hmm. it. I think it's one that is bingeable. It's not 25 episodes. Right. You're gonna, right. You know, we're already almost halfway done. Right. Uh, number five aired uh, yesterday. So we'll we'll get to that okay. shortly. Um. I, I think the characters uh, are coming into their own, and especially, you know, Kreitzler with a love interest or two love interests. Mm-hmm. And his real obsession of finding this man. And it's, and what it will do to him, too. You know, that's that's almost more interesting than the mystery. What is this chase going to do to him? And, and to them, to all the, the Scooby gang. And how do they operate now under surveillance? Yeah. I can tell you that being under surveillance not, takes a toll. Not a good thing. That's right. Takes a toll. That's right. Takes a toll on you. And they have to be very careful. On that note, uh, we will see you for episode five very, very shortly. Okay, looking forward. All right. I must follow this wherever it goes. 